Welcome to Life on My Terms, a podcast dedicated to helping you become the best version of yourself and take charge of your life. In the podcast, I sit down with experts in health and wellness, all the way to relationship, career, and life advice. My goal for each episode is to empower you to be your best self, become 1% better every day, and achieve everything you want in this thing called life. You can do this. Now it's time to believe in yourself and build your life on your terms. Let's go. Beautiful humans, hello, and welcome back to Life on My Terms. I am your host, Amy Mongeta, taking a break from the media tour today to record this episode intro. I'm so excited for this episode. I can't even stand it. Um, Here's the thing. Number one, if you haven't gotten a hold of my last episode, episode 45, how to use challenges for growth and reframe struggle, I do recommend that you either listen to that before or after this episode, because it's going to give you actionable tips to take Shemitria, who's our guest today, her um, message she has in sort of apply it to your life. So highly recommend episode 45 for that. I intentionally placed that before this one. But, you know, it amazes me still how folks come into my life for a purpose. It's just amazing if you're paying attention. And I think before I was not paying enough attention because of course I was burned out. I was stressed. I was like chasing busy like crazy and didn't have time to pay attention. But now that I'm paying attention, I'm like, wow, these people are in my life for a reason. And so back in March, I met Shemitria Gonzalez when I was at an event speaking. And hearing her speak was one of the most profound moments of my entire life. It was the first time I had listened to somebody speak and was completely blown away and captivated. Like time was passing in the most beautiful, present, um, environment, right? Like I was all in to listening to every word she had to say. And so I am so blessed that now I can provide this platform to continue to allow Shemitria to spread this message and frankly, to help all of you. And so I am just beside myself for this episode. But before we do it, let me give you a little bit about the, you know, who Shemitria is. Um, gosh, Shemitria's extraordinary story of transforming her life from being trafficked and escaping extreme poverty to being a founder, a life coach, a real estate investor is the inspiration behind her bold mission to teach others that it is possible to do the same. Today, fans worldwide revere Shemitria for her mastery of teaching people how to accomplish unfathomable goals and tap into their limitless potential. Shemitria has spoken on stages like the Zurich Classic, Dress for Success Worldwide Conference, and of course, Grant Cardone's 10-time growth conference. That's just to name a few. Shemitria has committed her life to providing women that have been trafficked with with homes for grace 
and unleashing people to speak all around the world. I am so excited to welcome Shemetria. So with that, let me stop talking and let's get to the episode. Shemetria, welcome to Life on My Terms. How are you doing? I am doing so good. Thank you for asking. Yes, I am so excited to have you here um, because I just think your calling is to share this story that you have. And so I'm super pumped that you're going to be able to do it with my audience that, you know, we do get a lot of listener um, feedback a lot about rebuilding self-confidence and self-worth, especially after trauma. So we will jump into that in a moment. But first, can you let everybody know who you are? Yes, I, I normally start my podcast off the same. I tell them I'm a small town country girl who had a really big dream. And so nothing that ever happened to me, I knew it was happening at the time. I was poor. I didn't know it till other people told me. I was trafficked. I thought that I was just being a part of something bigger than me and someone loved me. I was coerced. My mind was somewhere else. But when I found out what was going on um, through everything, I always kept a smile. I always saw the brighter side of things or tried to make things like look better than what they were by having a positive mindset. I didn't know that was a thing that people pay to learn how to have or that was going to be something that I would preach on and speak on. But um, it's my secret weapon. It's the thing that has always got me through everything that I've been through. I like to say, my accolades. You can read my bio. Um, I know there's an introduction. You did a lovely introduction of me, so they can hear that. But when I get on shows like this and podcasts like this, I am a woman who is light. And I like to be light for those who are struggling to get out of the darkness. I don't come here for me. I come here for the people that are waiting on me to share my story. So that is who I am. (laughs) Uh, What I do is completely different. And I just encourage people to take who you are and uh, find that out and separate that from what you do. Because what you do will evolve over time. But who you are, that just grows. And that's 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 kind of like who you were birthed to be. So that's who I am. <laughs> well, we're starting off on a really good note here because I mean, hello, that is like the best way to intro. Um, <laughs> yes. Who? Wow. Beautiful. And yes, I do believe you are a strong, inspiring light. And I'm so glad you're here. Very positive. Yeah. So we are going to talk today about sort of, you know, you're ultimately rebuilding self-confidence and self-worth, especially after trauma. And Mm -hmm. so I'd love for you to kind of just walk us through your story. What did it look like? um, And kind of how you're here sitting before me right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I've learned to y'all, my name is Shemetria and uh, that story, my name is actually spelled S-H-A-M-E-T-R-I-A. And someone pointed out to me when I was very young that my mother named me Shane. And for that, I took that for a very long time. And I thought everything that happened to me was because I was ashamed, like because I I was shame on my family or, you know, I was a a crack baby or I was, you know, somebody who was grew up poor and then went into foster care. So I carried that with me for so long. But um, I'm here to tell you that I have T-R-I-A at the end of my name. Somebody else just saw shame. I had to see the whole thing. So I like to share that story because some most of the time my audiences are people that I'm here to serve. They feel ashamed of who they are, of who they were, of their family, of their circumstances. They can't change. So circumstances you can't change or things that happen to you, that's other people that make you feel away. You cannot 
control other people. You can only control the choices that you make. So from a little bitty girl, like uh, my story starts off, I was born very small and um, I was a what you call a crack baby. So during the 80s and the early 90s, late 70s, crack epidemic had been really rampant in the black and brown communities. So a lot of babies were born like me, right? Mm-hmm. I start there. Don't be ashamed of that because now <laughs> I'm strong, I'm smart, and so are you, right? So <laughs> Don't be ashamed of that. But um, I started off like that. And my mother was a very strong woman. She tried her hardest every time to beat that demon of drugs and being sick, right? So she wasn't able to. So that means every time she would get out of prison or get locked up for prostitution or something like that, that she was just trying to feed her sickness, um, she'd go to jail for that. And I'd get taken. And then mm-hmm. I loved my mother. So I'd go back to her and she'd fight for me, right? So I'd, I I used to share her story and not honor that she was a fighter, right? Yeah. A lot of people have stories about their parents and they talk about them, but I don't think they truly understand that they have to forgive them to move forward. So because I forgive her, now I'm able to move forward. So I just like to shed that light as I talk about her life because that is her story. Mm-hmm. So start off with cracking my system. I was in and out of foster care. So around 15 years old, I was like, you know what? I'm going to emancipate myself. For anybody who's been through foster care ward of the state, they know emancipation means you legally can be grown. So I decided to emancipate myself. And in order to do that, you have to have a job. You have to support yourself. So I got a job at the local Sonic right across the street from my school. I was working every day. I was a student athlete. I'd been through all of this stuff already. I was grown, even though I was just a, a, a freshman in high school. And um, I had all this stuff, but I was so happy. I was so proud of myself. I thought I'd beat the system. And I didn't know that I was prey because little girls like myself at that time, we loved to have people that loved us because yeah. we felt like no one loved us. So I was really, really suffering from abandonment and rejection. And I was seeking love and validation, right? So that made me pray for predators. And when you are a little girl that looks like me, that has this energy, the same thing I got right now, mm. I had it back then. So somebody saw that. It was two <laughs> women. And they were like coming up to Sonic Drive-In and I'd be on my rollerblades just riding around to get my little tips and stuff. And for about two to three months, they would just ask me questions, right? So the first red flag is they're asking a 15-year-old girl questions that works right across the street from her school. I worked every day. I worked Mm -hmm. seven days a week for months. Like I was ruthless because I had energy and I knew I wasn't going to go back to being a foster child and I wasn't going to fail after the courts had granted me and believed in me, right? Somebody you were fighting for yourself. Yeah, too. I was fighting for myself. So they saw that and they saw that courage, that courage and that energy. And so they would ask me all the time, how much money do you make? What are you doing? How's your life going? You know, you need, you know, money, girl, like we can help you get it. And I'm like, mm, they didn't really get me with the money. I'm like, ah, I'm good. Like I'm making a hundred dollars a day. <laughs> Especially if I work a double shift, I can make like one fifty. <laughs> So they would, um, they got me by saying, you need family. Uh, That is where I I start. Um, I was a young girl who just wanted family and I wanted someone to love me. And these young women who were, um, they were, they were women who were being trafficked. They, their job was to go recruit young girls like myself and to bring us back to their trafficker. And so um, his job was basically he would get young girls from the ages of 12, maybe younger, but I, could, I, I remember the youngest being 12, that were foster children, ward of the states, that were homeless, 
and he would offer them a home. And he would tell us that we were a part of something bigger than us and that we were a family and that all we had to do was do the work. And if we didn't, we, we were lazy or we were bums or um, our, we weren't doing our part to keep the family going, right? So these were the words that were told to me as I decided to be a part of this. And I do have to take accountability that I didn't know what I was being a part of. Sure. I just thought it was something that was going to be like family. So it started off very small, kind of like go to this waitress thing, go to this poker tournament and just let the guys do what they want. It wasn't any intercourse to start off. It was just touches and, you know, like little whispers and and, and shows that we would put on. So as time moved on, he introduced, uh, I, had, I was about 17 at the time. So I'd done this for about two years, he introduced us to a drug called Molly. Mm-hmm. And so with that, he was like, basically, um, guys, I know y'all don't like doing this, but there's something I, you can take that'll make you forget. I'm like, what? Hey, yeah, uh... I'll do that because I hate this. I hate them touching me. I hate them, but I love you and I'll do anything for you. And he was so psychological. He would, it was like, he was a God to us and nobody would step out of line. Right. Um, so we start doing the the Molly thing and you know, after a while, I, I started slipping in my grades and slipping in school and I just dropped out because I'm like, I can't do both, but he's going to be mad at me if I don't show up for him. So I have to make a choice. And I chose him. I chose my family. Quote yeah. unquote, family. Yeah. So um, I didn't really care about myself, but I cared about the people around me. So strike one um, was I got pregnant. And I knew I was really smart. So I was like, I I know I did not give consent. Like, I know I would never be that irresponsible, right? So yes. I'm like, going through this situation, I'm a keeper, you know, because, yeah, I'm not getting rid of this child. <laughs> but I know that it's it's going to it's gonna work itself out. So that was strike one. I was like, they're, they're doing stuff that I don't know when I pass out. Like, I'm not, I'm not feeling this, but I'm scared to say something about it. Strike two was I cared about my the women there and I loved them. Yes. So their pain. It was a woman named Cinnabons. She was my best friend. Uh we did our, all of our stuff together and we were responsible for each other. We would look out for each other, right? And um I just remember we woke up, we had done some stuff, we woke up. That's how it is. You wake up, you go to the next day, you eat, shower, go do it again. So I I was shaking her and I was like, you know, Cinnabons wake up. She didn't wake up. So I'm like, no. Cinnabons, wake up. Like, girl, we got to go. Like, it's late. Like, we're going to get in trouble. Like, you got to get up. Stop playing with me. So I call and I'm like, there's a woman who's over us. They have different shifts. It was two women. And we call them the house mom or a madame, whatever you want to call them. Now the word is madame. But back then we called them our mom. Mm-hmm. So I was like, mom, somebody's, some, you know, Cinnabons not waking up. Like, I'm freaking out. She's like, calm down. Don't call nobody. Don't say nothing. Hang up the phone. We come in to get you. And that's what they did. They came. They picked me up. We were at a hotel. Um, and needless to say, guys, we weren't in just a sle- we weren't in sleazy hotels. We were in the penthouse of a very fancy hotel. This was not uh, the everybody was in on it. Everybody was making money. So <sighs> people have this connotation of like a Motel Six or no, no, no. no. I would I would have known something was. Yeah. Random. These were multi multi millionaires. So. They pick me up. I never saw Cinnabons again. Oh. So on every call, every podcast, every stage I get on, I mention it. 
because she knows her name. She knows me. And if she did survive, or if she's out there, I'm here. And I would love to connect with you, right? So um, that was strike two, because I realized that it was bigger than me. And strike three happened when there was a pastor there. I'd never, his name was Coach Tim. He would always come and check on me. And, you know, he, he I didn't know he was a pastor at the time. I thought he was a, a square. Where hmm. is somebody that comes and you don't have to do anything with them, but they will still pay. And it's like a break, right? It's like, okay, I get one break throughout the, the week and he yeah. comes every week. I was so distraught by Cinnabons. I knew I couldn't talk to anybody, but I trusted him because he had came for two years straight and never touched me. It takes that long when you're helping somebody, when you're healing somebody, when you want to help a survivor of trafficking, just know it is not going to be an easy journey. You have to build trust. You have to see them as a person and not a project. And you have to be willing to go in the water because they're in deep. And it is not safe and it's not easy. But he was one of those people that was, res- he, was he, he, he loved what he did. He loved helping women. And I didn't know that. So I confided in him thinking that he was just a square that was just there to have somebody talk to you. And so I broke, I broke my silence. That was the yeah. first time I used my voice. I didn't know I was doing that at the time to advocate, right? So I say my speaking career started then. Um, Unleashing myself to speak, which is my business. It's called Unleashed to Speak. It started then, that day. Because after I shared my story with him, that was enough for him to get them indicted. Because now we're not talking about just allegations of trafficking of women, prostituting, and whatever they call it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We're talking about murder. Yeah. So they raided the property and everybody, you know, get on the ground. And it's really scary. But because I helped, I was technically an informant. Every girl got a prostitution charge except for me. Strike three. I'm out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The house was dismantled. He was never prosecuted there. I mean, the people were prosecuted, but the main person was untouchable. He may still be out there now. I've grown. My name is different. My look is different. Right. So I'm sure there was hundreds of girls may not even recognize me. Just a side note, though, is that ever in the back of your mind? Like when you were recovering from this trauma and this post-traumatic stress, did you ever wonder, were you nervous about? I still am nervous. Okay. Absolutely. But it's bigger than me. And, and. As I step up and I stand out and I have more, more, like everyone knows my story. So mm-hmm. if something were to happen to me, they know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that's a part of why I share my story so widely, so vividly, so um, unapologetically, mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I want him to know, look at me. Yes. And, and, there, and, and I want more women that were there to see me because they remember me. They don't know my name. My name is different. I don't disclose my own name there. Um, I do have a new name. I moved to another state far mm-hmm. away from where I was at. And um, I had support. I told people what happened to me. I wrote my story to HBCUs around the country and got 28 scholarship offers, right? So they knew what I was going through. They supported mm-hmm. me. They stood up for me. Um, because of the risk, I got a one-bedroom apartment off campus. Yeah. And they knew campus police knew, right? So it was, it was, it took a village, it took an army, but um, that was strike three. And so after that, I decided that I was going to leave and I was going to 
go to college and I was going to write my story and I was going to get my GED and I was going to make it happen and I was going to take my daughter. And, you know, I, I felt so blessed because like, how did everybody get a charge like that? But me, if I would have got that felony on my record, I wouldn't be a real estate agent right now. I wouldn't be able to own a not-for-profit and have the space that I'm in. I wouldn't be able to have went to college on a full-ride scholarship because you can't get financial aid with a felony. Mm -hmm. So it was it's it's the things that we think about. And then I had survivor's remorse, right? That's where you're a survivor and you're like, why me? Yes. One of my friends committed suicide. Cinnabons, I never could find her again. The other women that were legal that were illegal immigrants got deported. This isn't a pretty story. Yeah. And I had so much guilt because I opened my mouth, but I was afraid of the monsters in my story. Now I'm grateful that I did open my mouth because I have a belief in God. And it may have been scary for them. Maybe they got deported, but maybe they got put with a good family. Maybe, you know, my friend that committed suicide, she's not suffering anymore. Mm -hmm. I know for Christians, they may think that she went down, but like, I'm not talking that deep. I'm just saying that was her, her choice and she did it. And I can't put that on me mm -hmm. because I didn't know that I was telling. I just knew that some I had to get it off of me because I felt like I was responsible for Cinnabon because I didn't say anything. Yeah. So the only person I could trust just so happened was the one thing that he could use to help free us all. And so um, at the end of the day, you know, after that, I did. The story gets better. I know it was a little gruesome in the beginning, mm -hmm. but um, I was able to use my story. I shared it. That was the first time I realized the power of my story and that people do care about you um, was when I was able to share my story and get a scholarship offer. And then after that, I went to college and I was I didn't tell anybody my business in college. Like that was one I wanted that to be over. I wanted that. To right. be gone. I wanted a new identity. So I created one. So we talk about going from traumatized to transformed. Old person couldn't come with me. That was yes. the first step to college. And I, I said, I, I've gotten 20 million second chances. God keeps rescuing me. What I made it out of qualified me to help those that are still going through what I'm going through now. So I didn't have to go to college or get a, 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 um, a life certified certificate to be a coach and a mentor. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to do that. I just had to open my mouth and, and mm -hmm. decide that I was going to move past those limiting beliefs and get away from that life. And then I had to live life as if I was already saved, already healed, already out of it because I did make it out. And it was really hard. Guys, yeah. nights, I, 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 I would wake up. And it felt like somebody was on top of me. They call it sleep paralysis. I did this for years and I was scared to go to sleep because I would wake up and it, it was like, I could see the room, but I couldn't move. And I, oh. and it was like, they were just on me and I could see it in the dream. And I only way I could get out of it is to go back to sleep in my dream. Pray. I would always say prayer or some, I don't know how I got out of it, but eventually they stopped. I don't know what it was. I don't have a formula for you. I can just be a testimony of what my life was and how I made it out. And it really started when I started changing my mindset by having different people around me. I had women around me who were from Russia, Syria, Libya, Turkey, China, because my coach was really intentional. With We went to a HBCU, but she didn't want us to just have a Black experience. And I thought that was one of the most inspirational things that ever happened to me because I was able to hear my friend from Syria when they were young, they, they were bombed. 
and they had to go underneath this hut and she could hear the bombs and smelt the smoke and couldn't breathe. When someone tells you stuff like that, you realize that we all go through stuff, but we're all fighting for our life. Yes. Another one of my friends from China, 12 kids in her family. She had the only one that they saved up enough to send her to college. One, can you imagine a parent trying to choose one child out of 12? Yeah, wow. They all were here on U or T visa. U and T visa is work and school visas. They told me that the most valuable document in the world was a United States passport. Mm. Because I had it, I was powerful. So I should use it. Because if they didn't pass or work, they had to go home. They got deported, right? So it's these things that, that helped to change my mindset. And I couldn't be a victim. I'm right. like, I mean, I went through some stuff, but dang. So then I had a group of women around me that were all fighters. We mm -hmm. all were trying our hardest to do what we had to do for our lineage, for the women around us, for the people around us, for our family. Only people I wanted to do it for was for the women who had struggled with me, who had been raped and abused and molested and had their babies taken from them and had their our best friend committed suicide in front of us. You know, like all of these things that happened to us but we were fighting. I'm fighting for them till this day, till the day I die. I'm fighting for all the women that are out there being trafficked right now because they just might hear this podcast. They mm -hmm. just might hear this. And then for the people that may not have been trafficked or but that are put in a messed up position because they're trying to seek validation from somebody, I'm fighting for you too. Because once you realize the power of you, no one can use you. No one can abuse you. No one can coerce your mind into doing something that you don't want to do. You have a choice. You just have to know that. So oh, I love that. I love that. And I, I think I have to, because that was so powerful. Yeah. How has this whole experience, do you feel like it's helped you as a mother? Oh, Jesus, man, motherhood. I will not lie and say that my daughter and me are working through our relationship yeah. as a mother because she didn't know until she was nine and she had such a beautiful answer to it. My daughter came home at nine o'clock when she was nine, they had a father daughter uh, lunch and she comes to me and she's like, mom, do I have a dad? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, <laughs> I wasn't ready for this. Cause we had already redeveloped our lives. We were living in a very nice yeah. house at a boyfriend at the time. Like, she knew that wasn't her father, but she was like, do I have a dad? And I, I explained to her the truth. One thing, tell your children the truth. Don't give it to them like an adult. Give it to them in a way that a child can understand, but don't lie to them. And um, I didn't. And I told her the truth and I was so scared. And she was like, oh, so that means God's my father. <sighs> Every time I say that, I just, <sighs> that was the moment for me when I realized that that's me, that's my child. She's my innocence. That's how I think. She's watching me. She's hearing me. She listens. She's a positive thinker. Like yeah. out of anything she could have said, that was from her heart. And then she like skipped off. It was like, the <laughs> skip. it's like, okay, <laughs> what? <laughs> I've been holding that shame for nine years. And my daughter looks at me as her superhero. Yeah. Because I gave her a chance at life. And now we have this beautiful relationship. She's almost like a prophet. This woman, this young lady has taught me how I am 
because we're a reflection of each other. And so like literally in that moment, it's a funny story. I started, I'm like, oh my God, that was so inspirational. So I started talking to her and recording it. I would put little clips out here and there. And eventually she was like, um, I started sharing it. People would come in droves. Like I didn't know how many people have parent have problems with parenting. So it was just like, oh my God, so we have to share more. So then we wrote a book because we're like, okay, now we need to write a book about this. So we wrote a book called The Reflection Eyes See, because the point of it is that they're a reflection of us and we're a reflection of them. And for the first time when I saw her, I saw my innocence within her. And I found that little girl in me because I'm like, oh, that's her. God literally gave me a child so I could see me. Like I didn't see me. I didn't see myself. Yeah. I only, you know, saw shame and, you know, I'm still healing, right? I'm not yeah. here to say I've done this, this, and this, and this is how I healed. No, I'm here to tell you that I'm constantly healing, but I'm doing the work that I love and it gives me power and I'm helping other people. And so through these different things, you know, being a parent, it just, it, it really gave me a spirit of gratitude for parentship, for being a mother and being a mother that I'm a single mother. I still, I'm still healing past those sexual traumas in order to be able to connect with the man physically. And I share that, you know why? Ain't no shame in my game. You know what yeah. I mean? You're suffering right now. Oh yeah. So it's like, I used to be so embarrassed by that. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to connect with the man yet, but I'm working towards it and I'm healing and I'm seeking. I believe God has a special man for me and he's going to know how to deal with somebody who's been through these traumas and he's going to ask for consent. He's going to be very patient with me and understanding and be able to look past my triggers or moments when I shut down and just don't want to be touched. Right. So I believe in that. So other women who have been through what I've been through, if you are struggling with that and you haven't told anybody, at least be real with yourself. Because once you are, then you can start healing and looking for help. Because I, I do have help. And once a month, I do um, a vagina steam. I do Reiki. And I say affirmations. Like, I'm worthy of a safe and healthy relationship. And I am attracting the man that's for me. And mm -hmm. I am enough for the man that's for me, right? So all of these complexities, but I say that to share because so many times we show up as a survivor or as an advocate or an entrepreneur and we're like, we do this and this and this, but we don't share that we still struggle. Yes. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. It can disconnect you from those who are struggling and they're like, well, I'm struggling. So how do I get there? No, I'm still struggling, but I'm getting there. That's yes. the difference. <laughs> and I loved, I loved when you were um, chatting about like, you know, your future connection with a man yes. and you said yet, because I think one of the biggest growth mindset hacks we can do is start using the word yet. Like Ooh. it hasn't happened yet, but it will, it's possible. Yes. Right. And so I think that's yes. beautiful that you're like, okay, maybe not today, <laughs> not tomorrow, but you know, someday it's possible. Right. So yes. I love that you, you shared that. That was great. Yes. You're welcome. You're welcome. So if you think about um, your experience and just the, you know, even if you just are chatting with just a woman that hasn't gone through as much trauma, because you have been, it's a lot of trauma, but That's what smart. are some of the tips you can share to sort of think about rebuilding your life if you're lacking self-confidence or your self-worth is just you know, super low. I know that really impacts a lot of people's lives and they, um, they don't take chances on themselves and they don't have the growth that they're capable of. So yes. what are some tips to you that you share? 
Yeah. So one of the things I teach women, I had a, a, a um, consultation earlier today and um, we were doing something called erase and replace. So we'll write out the the bad habit or the limiting belief, and then we just scratch through it, and then we write a positive belief or we write a a positive affirmation, right? Um, The second thing is we look at the lifestyle. And so I have them draw a pie chart. Mm -hmm. If you've been through trauma, mostly it's in you now. Like it chemically changes the DNA. It fires and rewires your neurons, and they start creating these, you know, new neural pathways that are now normal, just ways of you reacting and you don't know it. Right. So we got to break that. So in order to break it, normally it comes from drastic change, but I don't want something drastic or, or horrible to happen for you to change. I want you to know that you can change, but you got to be conscious of it first. So the first thing I do, like I said, we do erase and replace, which is we take those limiting beliefs. or we take those, like for myself, an example, instead of saying, I suffer with sexual trauma. I'll say I'm working through my limiting. I'm working through healing from sexual trauma. We just reward it. Yes. Yeah. And then the second thing that we do is we life map. So we look at it, we take a pie chart and we cut it into slices and you don't have to cut it into slices. First, first you take it and you put things that you do throughout your day. So for mine, it would look like workout, consultations or help people, read. I love reading, but I don't read a physical book. When I'm in the car, I listen to Audible. So I'm not, I'm not just feeding myself, but I'm feeding my spirit um, just as well. Like I had an acai bowl. That's my healthy part. That's bananas mm-hmm. and acai and strawberries. But then I have to also feed my mind. Yes. I don't wake up and just be changed. I practice changing. So when you get this information, just start practicing. It is not going to happen on day one, two, three, maybe year three, five. But don't you ever think that it won't happen because it will. I just don't know your time clock. I don't know how your brain, when that's going to click for you. But if you keep doing it, eventually it you will create a new habit. So we'll look at the pie chart and we will put in, you know, basically this, this. Some people, I'm going to tell you, the biggest thing they have is social media. Yes. Yes. It's- like when we finish, because I'm like, you got to be honest with you. Yeah. I never say be honest with me. I always say be honest with you. I never say the word I when I'm working with somebody. What I got to do with it. Exactly. We, it's either we, you, or your, right? Yours for who they're doing it for. You is to make it personal for them. And we lets them know that I'm in it with them. I don't say I. That will shut somebody down quickly. I is such a powerful word, but only when you're being affirmative or you're trying to get something across, okay? So we take that pie chart and we just put what they do and then we look at it. And it's like, okay, you spend 70% of your pie, you're eating social media and movies. 30% or 10% you're working. 10% you're eating, doing stuff you need to do, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the other 10% you're worrying. Because we identify those things. Once yeah. you identify something, because remember, I didn't know that somebody was hurting me, that somebody was using me and using my body. I didn't understand those things. So once I became conscious, I started looking for everything I could do to redevelop my mindset. I oh. don't watch TV. I don't look at, listen to the radio. 
I try not to look at billboards and movies and podcasts. I only do stuff that is serving my cause. So I listen to podcasts that are serving me. I listen to movies or I may watch a movie with my children. It's serving our relationship, watching a cartoon with them. Mm -hmm. I may listen to a book in Audible, self-development, personal development. Um, I, I eat foods that make me feel good and not cloggy and 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 be overweight. Things. So I had to practice these things, right, guys? So there's a saying that we are free through conscious perception. We are enslaved to anything we cannot consciously perceive. I love that. Those are just and and you know I think the last tangible thing that I do is um I look take any women right now. Look at your phone. Look at the last 10 text messages that you have. Really look at it. I know it's going to be hard. Think about what you're talking about in those conversations because you're not just talking, you're seeking counsel. You're not you're here now seeking counsel. That means that you are programming yourself. You are the top 5 people you're around. You're making about 500 to 5,000 at the most in money to the five people that you're around, you make about the same. So it's just, if you really want to break through and you want to become a better mother, entrepreneur, um, a better person, the best version of yourself, right? Because maybe you're amazing and you just want to become a better version of yourself. Yeah. Right? You you have to identify who you are right now and what's making you become that because you become what you think about. So if you can think about you as the best version of yourself, you'll become that. But you got to look at what you're doing right now and you got to make a play or you got to make a plan and celebrate the small victories. Not nothing big. If you do it too much, too big of goals, too big a change. I'm not telling you how to do that because your brain's going to shut down. You're literally going to shut off right now. If I told you mm -hmm. shut off social media, don't do social media, don't like that's too big of a change. But instead of 70 percent, maybe it could be 50. I'm not judging you. <laughs> yeah. Right. So those are just three things um, that, I, that I would look at is, is, is just to recap one, make a make a pie chart of your life. Look at what it is that you do and then, you know, make make new make new changes, create a plan uh, five o'clock, you know, seven o'clock, eight o'clock. Like, Don't plan your day or don't start your day until you plan it. Right. This is what some of the most successful people do. And I want you to be successful in healing. So it's the same concept, mm -hmm. you know, um, Two is look at your text messages. Think about the people that you talk to. Look at your social media inbox and DM. Are you gossiping? Are they always talking negative? Are they supporting you? Because if not, they have to go, right? Yes. And you can just take time for you by taking time away from them, right? So um, one of the biggest things that I've learned, I would say, and this is another tidbit, is that energy goes or energy grows where it goes. Right. So the energy that we put out, the energy that flows from us, that is there, it basically if I'm thinking about it, I'm, 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 man, I'm bringing it to me. Right. So if you are, you know, thinking about this person or this like this, if I was on this call right now and I had just had a very bad conversation, mm -hmm. I couldn't show up like this. So yeah. I was intentional. I prayed before this call. Because somebody on here needs the best version of me. I had to be strong and I had to meditate and I had to work out to get the energy to be able to pump you up. I had to be timely. I had to care enough about Amy 
to be able to respect her and respect her time and be here for her, right? So it's all of these little principles that I live by that make me who I am. So I want you to look at the little things that you do, the conversations, the people, the way that you feel about you. And we have to start identifying that so now we can start to change it. And to change it, don't think big. Think, what is it small that I can do to erase and replace? Okay. Fantastic. My favorite thing, I think, I think everyone's superpower is self-awareness. And just you, those three there are just such self-aware and it's okay. Like if you look at, I always think about this too. It's like, mm-hmm. I might write down something that I'm not proud of, but that's okay because I can change and I'm allowed to change and it feels good to change. Yes. So those were excellent tips. Thank you Thank so much. You. So actionable, which <laughs> is my thing. It's like my jam, actionable tips. <laughs> yes. Yes. Something you could do. Yes. Yes. All about the doing. Okay, so I have some, my favorite questions for you are at the end, yes. but I did want to just ask one more question yes. for the listeners. Okay. Do you have any, like, it's talking about self-awareness or just being more aware. Is there, are there any ways to sort of um, better educate ourselves if women are being trafficked? Is yes. there anything we can look out for? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so red flags, right? Yes. One is when you are looking or don't look for it, right? Just, just look out, right? Looking for means you're going to find it. And and it's not an easy thing, but I would say the first thing is there are young girls out there right now that are homeless, that are illegal immigrants, that are foster children. And sometimes your kids talk about them. I want y'all to really think about some kids talk. Mm, Yes, they do. I want you to be aware of them when they say things. Listen to your kids because they know the students. Matter of fact, you can even ask the kids, like, is there any like any girls in your school that you feel like are homeless? Or because all it takes is one person to care and you can change that girl's life. Yes. Look for bruises. Bruises in places that normally aren't identifiable. I would get beat on my back. My back was always covered. I would get tape on my mouth. Cause I talk too much. That was my punishment. It's like I talk right now. <laughs> I was, you know, I'll always get in trouble for talking too much to a customer or talking too much to the girls and, and trying to organize them. That's why I became a community organizer. I've been an organizer already <laughs> and I didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, look, talk to your children and um, let them know red flags. So uh, let them know stranger danger. Um, let them know things to look out for, which are vehicles that pull up that already have car door open as you're walking by, tell them to go the other way. Um, always tell them to walk in pairs. Always tell them about, tell them not, it's just not men to look out for. That's another tidbit. Yes. Look out for young people, for, for, for older women that are asking them questions that make them feel uncomfortable. Um, there's apps that you can put on your children's phone. Parents, I would advise you to track your children. I know it may seem like a pro- breaking of their privacy, but it also can be the thing that saves their life. Okay. So there's apps. I think it's called my fab five. I I have to, I'll get the link to you. So if it's not that, I'll give y'all the link. Um, It's an app and it's an alert. It's like an Amber alert app. So you put your five safe adults there. And if somebody were ever to take them, they would just have to push that button. They click two buttons, open the app. And the first thing that pops up is panic. And that panic sends their location. 
it sends you their information and it lets them know they're in trouble. So they don't have to call the police. They don't have to call you. They don't have to, they just push that button real quick, boom, boom. And you're on it. Even if the phone goes off, it continues to track them. Okay. I feel like that's a good tip for like the female runner community too. That's been getting picked up and, you know, taken as well. Good heavens. Yes. Yes, girl. So another thing to look for is to um, look for young girls or boys and transgenders. Right. So I don't want to make this bias. I can only speak on myself as a young woman, but um, look for those that are always alone and that can't speak for themselves. Be on the lookout for who picks up who. Right. So if you see something, say something. Don't do something because you could get yourself hurt, but say something. If it feels wrong, I'd rather you say something to the proper authorities or to the school nurse or to the counselor or the officer than to let it happen, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd rather them investigate it. And maybe it's nothing, but maybe it's something, right? Um, another thing I would say is to talk to your children and not just talk to them about what to do for them to be safe or to look out for you, but talk to them about how they treat other children. Please. People made fun of me. They called me ugly, stinky, poor, homeless, black Mexican. I'm black and Spanish, right? So they'd always pick on me, call me a wet bag. Those things drove me deeper into I mean, not just wanting to like not be there, but they made it vulnerable for me. So when someone came and said, oh you're beautiful Really? Yes. Let your children know they're beautiful. Let them know you love them. Let them know and tell them to be nice to other children. Tell them that little girl that seems like that don't have no parents, that's a foster child, that's walking around, ain't got nothing. Tell them to be nice to her. So many of these problems could be solved if people are just better people, but it starts with the children. So, you know, there's tangible things you can look out for, like, of course, you know, weird, suspicious vehicles. Um, young kids that don't have a voice that are, are, are just to and from school, but something's not right. Um, I would say to, to definitely for your own children, trackers. I know it seems weird, but um, having an air tag on their backpack, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. They'll, that they'll take that. They'll throw their phone out, but they'll still have their backpack, okay? So we just have to be smarter because, and then, oh, the biggest one. I used to teach teens in technology safety. Aha. Technology is getting weird. Like oh, G- yeah. that is is they have robotic dogs in New York. Like not trying to get off topic, but that are policing the streets. This is serious. 400 police dogs that are robots are going to be policing the streets of New York. Okay? So, for myself, I I talked to my daughter about dating online. And these men that are talking to her in these weird, you know, robot type, you know, mm-hmm. bot, but really they're a pedophile behind it that's trying to tell her she's beautiful with a fake account. Like we know that we can probably identify that, but I don't think a child can. Right. Um, tell them to beware. I would I would monitor my children. I have a, a Google account and I have a child Google account under mine. Right. So I'm not paranoid. I'm prepared. And I think that's the difference. Don't be paranoid when it happens. Be prepared when it happens because you've already put in the proper um, preparation in order to make sure that if something ever happened, that you, you have systems in place. 
because these are smart individuals that are there to rob, kill, steal, and destroy. It's like the devil. That's what these predators are there to do. And they will suck the life out of your child and they will they will use them. A body can doesn't have to be re-up. Doesn't have to be, it's just there and you can use it every day, all day. So I know that's a lot for you guys, but I mean I get passionate about that because oh, I no. I go through all of these things with my daughter. She has a tracker on her backpack, yeah. uh, her tag. Um she has, I've talked to her a lot about teen, you know, technology safety. She doesn't have social media. I'm sorry. I'm call it what you want. I don't think that a 13 year old is prepared for a grown man to watch her and to be able to come in her DMs. Not yet. Right. Um, and we've had those conversations. And so it's really based on how you want to parent, but I, I just be prepared instead of being paranoid. That's the best advice I can give you and take those, those steps that I just shared with you and identify those characteristics in young girls and boys and transgenders. Um, to see if they are being trafficked or if somebody is hurting them or abusing them, you know? So yeah, just everybody be vigilant and care about something more than just your child. It takes a village for us to yes. create, you know, raise children and children's are the leaders of this nation when we leave. So we have an obligation to look out for them. That was an amazing perspective. As a former teacher, I remember being that person, but I'm like, oh my gosh, every parent can be the same. Yes. We can talk to our children and just listen in a different way. Yes. And I just, I loved all of that. They're they going to share with you. Oh, they'd be ready. They always do. Yeah, this They're is on the pulse. And, such, and she stinks. And she's always like, you, she doesn't have any parents. Really? Yeah. Does she go home? Where does she live? Yeah. Fantastic perspective. Yes. Um, okay, so two final questions. I love these right. ones. My first one is, um, what is one thing you used to value that you no longer value anymore? People's opinions of me. Love it. I don't care about them no more because your <laughs> opinion is for you, not for me. And to opinions are like, they used to, like, I used to, like, I literally, it caused me to be trafficked. Like, I, I, he would always say, you don't trust me. So I'm like, I do trust you. Like, I do. And I used to think, what if I hurt him? What if I, what if I, what if, what if he thinks this of me? What if the girl, now I know who I am. Mm -hmm. I know my purpose. I know my why. So every day I practice being her a little bit more. And it may not, it's not, you know, people, do you know predators hate me? Pimps, I am their kryptonite. Of course. I am spreading the word. I'm getting it out there. I'm inspiring your women that think they don't have any future, that they can't do it without you. Oh, yes, they can. And I'm here to show them how. So I, I don't care about opinions anymore. Yeah, they're, they're like booties and they all speak. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love that. Um, all right, great. Well, as we wrap up, what is one thing you would tell your younger self? If you could grab her, what would you tell her? <sighs> if only you knew. And I just say dot, dot, dot. If only you knew. I had no idea that God was going to make me this woman I am today. I had no idea. I have a not-for-profit, a for-profit. I have an amazing business. I have wonderful clients. I have two beautiful children. I have the privilege to speak to people all over the world and inspire and motivate them. If only you knew. 
I would tell her that. And I just leave it at that. Cause then it, it would make her think like, knew what? If only you knew girl, like who you are. If only you knew what God has for you. If only you knew that this story that you are making it through, it's going to help many women just like you. Like I would let her know that. Like if only you knew those things. Oh, and I love that you can pass that message to your own children now. Yes. If only you knew. Mm-hmm. Now it's the opposite though. When they being selfish and they, <laughs> they, they mom, it's hot. You better open that window. <laughs> you know, I didn't have AC. I didn't have a house. I didn't have a room. It's small. This is small. Okay, I downsized because I'm trying to follow my dreams. You better be grateful. If only you knew what I've been doing. <laughs> yes. That's opposite. <laughs> Girl, little boy. <laughs> Mom, I need a new skateboard. I just got you that skateboard. Well, this is such, such has this. If only you knew. If only you knew. <laughs> well, it was amazing um, having you spend time with me today. Where's the best place listeners can connect with you? We'll have everything in the show notes, yeah. but I always like guests to just share where people can get connected. Yes. Here's a tidbit for anybody who is out there looking to be a speaker, an entrepreneur, a um, philanthropist, an activist. Use your name because your name never changes. Your businesses change, you know, things like that. But my name is Shamitria Gonzalez. Um, it's on the screen. And if you can't see the screen, then it is S-H-A-M-E-T-R-I-A-G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-S. Everything I do it can be found on my website at Shamitria Gonzalez. My Instagram is at Shamitria Gonzalez, my LinkedIn, my Facebook. Um, everything is Shamitria Gonzalez. If you just Google me, um, it'll everything will pop up, <laughs> articles, all type of stuff. But um, yeah, I use my name. And so it just makes it easy for everything. Um, any if, if you need me um, in any way, um, particularly when it comes to healing, shifting your mindset, being a better speaker, um, just a friend. Sometimes, you know, I tell people, if you don't have something, just call me. Like, I don't know, maybe we need to collaborate or maybe we could barter, you know. Don't let anything hold you back from connecting with people that are like-minded. And um, to survivors, oh, girl, <laughs> call me. I'll give you, if you DM me, if you reach out to me and you're looking, um, I have a not-for-profit called Home for Grace. We house women that have been sexually trafficked. Um, we are currently full at the moment, but no matter what, we find a way. We have other limited, other partners. We, you know, if we have, sometimes we put people up with our own money, right? So it's just call me and reach out. And uh, if you feel compelled or moved or in any way, or if you feel like I can say something better or you have some advice for me, I'm open. I'm a student for life. So I'm here for you. And so, um, you know, let me know how I can serve you. And just, you know, if you need me, I'm always going to have an open phone line for uh, those, those in need. So yeah, I am here for you. I love that. I'll have everything linked up in the show notes. You are a strong, inspiring light, just as your purpose told you, told us in the beginning of this episode. Thank you so much for spending not only your time, but your energy with me today. And thank you for the wisdom. Always. Always. Yes, y'all. This is my purpose. That's why I show up like this. Find your purpose and then put it to work. (laughs) You are the best. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Bye, Amy. Bye. (laughs) Okay. I'm assuming you are as mind blown as I was just in the episode, but also did you connect with that captivating presence? 
Uh, I am so blessed to have had that conversation today with Shimitria. She is just so special and I am so blessed to allow you to hear her and provide her a platform to continue to spread her message. If you have any questions or just want to reach out, remember we will have everything Shimitria linked up in the show notes. You know where to find me. You can connect with me on Instagram, either at Life on My Terms Podcast or Project Amy. You can also email me anytime at info at personalbestcoaching.net. Ah, let this message just bring you so much hope and light that change is possible. This is your life. You have to live it on your terms. I'm Amy Mongeta. I will catch you next time.